Amen. Easter Sunday next, actually in three weeks, right? The 31st, the weekend of the 31st, Good Friday. We're going to kick it off at the 7 o'clock service. And we have a great Good Friday uh, service here every year. And then this year we're doing our Saturday night. We're going to kick off Easter Saturday night here at City Church for, for people in our community, maybe who don't normally go to church, and, and they can slide a service in on Saturday night. And then we'll be having our three Sunday morning services. You can see we have Easter baskets here. We have a big day. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Our kids have a lot of fun. It's just a great, great family day. The gospel's preached. People get saved every year. And I'm looking forward to Easter this year. So you want to make sure you make yourself a part. All kinds of information on the website and your bulletin. Make yourself available to that. I want to welcome Aaron today. Aaron's all the way from uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, right? Aaron and his mom and dad live right here in Orlando. Let's welcome Aaron. Aaron's come down to do some business stuff, and, uh, and uh, just a couple months ago, his wife's mother passed away, and it was really cool to see how God worked a great miracle, and, and she gave her life to the Lord literally right at death's door. And I said, that's the mercy of God. Come on. She gave her life to Jesus right at death's door. It was actually a miracle. She was not uh, talking, and uh, right before I came over, she woke up, woke up long enough for me to lead her to Christ, pray the prayer of salvation. I left, she closed her eyes, and she went on to glory. Come on, give God a big hand. And that's almost exactly how it went. That's pretty close to the truth. That's not evangelistically speaking at all. That's almost exactly how it happened. Well, good morning, everyone. If you could stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're in a series entitled Dollars and Cents. Dollars and Cents. Living the Abundant Life. Living the abundant life. How to live the abundant life. That's the question that I want to answer today. How do we live the abundant life in God? We have a good father today. He loves you. I believe in you. You've come to the right place. We're going to look at a couple of passages of scripture. They're right there in your handout. But if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalms chapter 35 verse 27. Psalms chapter 35 verse 27. We try to do this every week. We look at a passage in the old and a passage in the new. There's something about agreement. There's something about confirmation. God spoke it in the old. God revealed and then God confirmed it in the new. I want you to look at John 10.10. 10. So we're going to look at Psalms 35, verse 27, and John 10.10. 10. And then we're going to look at one more verse, 3 John chapter 2. And the Bible says, let them shout for joy and be sad. I mean, think about it. I love it. You know, why do we worship? If you're new to it, why do we worship the way we do? We just express what God has done in our life in a way that biblical writers expressed it. I mean, David was a happy guy. Not always happy. Sometimes he was an angry guy. But when he worshiped God, he was glad. Let us worship the Lord. Let us shout for joy and be glad. Who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure in the brokenness and the lack of his servant. And the prosperity of his servant. All right. Now John chapter 10, verse number 10. I love this. Jesus talking to the disciples. Telling them about kingdom life, working miracles, providing food. I mean, just incredible things. And he gathers his guys with him and he says these words. The thief 
has come not to except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The thief has come to steal your joy. He's come to steal your peace. He's come to steal your marriage. If you have children, he's come to steal your children. He's come to steal your business. If you're a business person, don't kid yourself. If you're a believer, if you're a believer, you've been marked by the enemy and he wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you and he wants to destroy you. But, but Jesus said, but I have come that they, everyone say they is me. They is me that I might have life and have it more abundantly. The NIV says that I may have life and have it to the full. God wants you to have life to the full. Now I want you to turn over to one more passage in John chapter 3, verse number 2. John, who we just read in John chapter 10, thought he was Jesus' favorite disciple. At least that's what he thought. But he definitely was close. He was in the inner circle. He spent a lot of time with Christ when Jesus was ministering for those three years. John had the heart of a shepherd. He lived longer. He was the only disciple that died by natural causes. He lived into his upper 90s. All the other disciples were martyred. One guy killed himself. But all the other disciples died a martyr's death. John lived to a ripe old age. And at the end of his life, he's writing to one of the elders. He's writing to one of the leaders of the church. And he's expressing the heart of a pastor. He's expressing the heart of a good leader. Because he was following a good shepherd. And he says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. Everyone say prosper. That you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for the work of your spirit already here. Thank you for the challenge, exhortation. Thank you for the ministry of worship and song. That we ask, Lord, that you would add your blessing to the reading of the word. Ask your conviction to the preaching of the word. Give us ears to hear and give us a heart to understand. And give me a mouth to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. Here's the big idea today. Here's the big idea. Prosperity or abundance is having more than enough. It's having more than enough in every of your life. More joy, more love, more peace. You can't give love to someone if you don't have love. Isn't that right? Uh, you can't be joyful around someone if you don't have joy. You have to give away what you have. Prosperity is having an abundance above our needs so that we can give to help meet the needs of others and to the work of God. I want you to watch this video. This is a young couple in our church. They're right in the service right now. And they have a testimony about the goodness and the provision of God, even when you go through difficult times. I want you to watch this now. And uh, we were living way above our means. Um, we had purchased a home that, it was a beautiful home, but it ended up being way too much house, more house than we needed. Um, she lost her job. And that's when we ended up having to give up our home. Um, we didn't really realize, you know, how deep in the hole we were until, you know, I got served the papers um, that I was being sued, you know, because of all the debt that we had, um, which forced me into going into bankruptcy. Um, short period after that, I ended up losing my job. 
Um, we had no money in savings, so we had to, you know, just scrape everything that we had together and uh, just move forward. We did the Dave Ramsey plan. Um, had to get rid of all of our credit cards through the bankruptcy. I had never paid a bill late in my life. I had a perfect credit score, even though I was living above my means. Um, it was a tough transition to do, going from being able to have everything that we wanted whenever we wanted it. We would buy you know, groceries at $450 a week, and throw half of it away, um, go out to eat all the time. Waste a lot of money. And you know, we made the decision to do Dave Ramsey, and it's tough. It's a tough transition to make to, you know, you name every dollar you have, and um, you almost feel like you're working and you're not getting paid because you don't have any money. <laughs> but in the long run, you know, I ended up going through a year of unemployment last year, um, and I didn't miss a single bill because I don't have any credit card payments. I don't have any credit card debt. No I have no car debt. Um, we pay for everything in cash. It's tough, but it's uh, one of the best decisions we've ever made, and it's helping us pave that 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 road to our future that we want financially. And um, we're able to give to the church and to whatever other causes that we want to give to, however much we want to give, because we're not tied down by any debt. Um, we give more. We actually give more now than we ever ever have in the past. It's funny, every year, even though we went through unemployment, we actually gave double than what we gave in the past. It's just so funny because it's totally a bad thing. So. And it's, um, it's, a nice, it's a nice weight and burden to be lifted off your shoulders when you don't have that worry of the credit card bills coming in every month. Or getting sued. I, I have a saying, I don't know if this is, uh, but it's, you know, when the tide backs out, you can really tell who's wearing the baby suit. You know, and it's because, um, you know, you can really tell who's prepared, you know, when the bad times come, and that's what it's all about, is being prepared and, you know, having that financial future set for your family, and, you know, back then I didn't even have life insurance, you know, it's like, you're making all this money, and, you know, you're not thinking about the things that you need to be doing properly for your family, if something happens to me, you know, now I have life insurance, something happens to me, you know, my family's covered, and those are the things that you have to think about, not you know, driving that nice BMW, you know. It's nice to sit in a new car, you know. I, I did it yesterday. But, you know, when you really think about it is I, I like my car that's paid off. You know, I'd rather fix that and, and cruise down the road with no headaches. So it's 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 a tough transition, but it's something that's really worth doing and it's just better for your whole family and for your future. You know? So Amen. Mike and Saperna right here in the second row. That's actually my brother-in-law and my sister. And God has worked a mighty work in their life as they've allowed God to do what he needed to do to put them on the right track. Uh, when we talk about this area of abundance or prosperity, there's a lot of rhetoric and there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of misunderstanding about what it really means biblically, what it really means as a New Testament Christian. Because there's been abuses and because there's been excesses, the tendency for people is to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But from, listen, from generation to revolution, from Genesis to Revelation, God is a God who is for His people. God is a God who breathed life and created us in His image to win. 
God created you, destined you from the very beginning to win. It's innate within every person here. We have some kids that participate in a Bible quiz program. And yesterday they competed at a district level. In other words, I don't know how many teams are here in the Central Florida or in the state of, or in this state, but they competed against a lot of other teams. And our team finished second. Our team, come on, let's give them a big hand. But I know those coaches, and they wanted to finish first. <laughs> Last year, our team went all the way to nationals. There's over 3,000 junior Bible quiz teams in America. We had the number two quizzer and the number 11 quizzer in the whole nation. That's amazing. Come on, that is amazing. There's something innate within you that wants to win. You want to win in marriage. You want to win in life. You want to win in your job and your finances. If you're like me, you want to win playing dominoes. doesn't matter what I'm doing. There's something in you that you're destined. You're, you're pre-wired by God to win. And so I want to address the elephant in the room because you can Google this whole concept of prosperity, which I have multiple times. And lots of people really pick apart. They, they, they literally have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And so right up front, I want to talk about what prosperity is not. I'm going to move quickly through this, but I want you to hear this. Prosperity is not just about money. It's not just about that. It's not just about wealth. Jesus said a man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of stuff that he owns. More people lost stuff in the last five years of our country than any time. Well, we've also had more stuff to lose, but people lost a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot, a lot of stuff. It's just not about it. It's not about amassing great wealth and thinking that we're more righteous or better than someone else. The Bible warns against all those things. It's not about seeking money before God. A lot of people have a hard time with this. They put their job first because they feel like they don't just work on a Sunday or they just don't squeeze in an extra day. God somehow isn't going to be able to take care of them. It's just not right. It's not about that. It's not about sacrificing money at the expense of character and integrity. Uh, this young lady, Beyonce, didn't watch her, didn't see it, didn't watch the Super Bowl. I was preaching here on the Super Bowl, but I understand this week she's coming out and she, she's a born-again Christian. Now listen, I'm not judging her, but from what I understand, I didn't watch it, but from what I understand, her little dance at halftime was quite provocative. Now listen, you can say that you love Jesus, but when you love someone, you act like them. And that's just not what Jesus represents. And so listen, it's not about putting our character and integrity, and I'm sure she got paid a lot of money to do that. I'm sure some of you have her in your iPod and your iTunes and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't even know the songs that she sings. But it's not about putting integrity above and your character above money. It's just not. You see, but the word prosper has a lot of really good meanings in the Bible. Let me just give you a few of the definitions. I mean, literally from Genesis to Revelation, the word prosperity, abundance, flourish is used hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. Always in context of God's desire for his children. Now the problem is, we get a little bit of stuff and we abuse it. We get a little bit of stuff and we think we've done it. We get a little bit of stuff and we stop missing church. You knew the amount of people that have left stuff mess up their life, it's that. But that's not God's desire. Listen to what the word means in the, in the Hebrew. Literally, it means to favor, to render successful, to be successful, to succeed, to grow or increase, to thrive, 
to make gain, to prosper in business, agriculture, commerce, advancing in growth, wealth, or any good thing. Prospering in your marriage. Prospering in your job. Prospering in your relationship with your children and your co-workers. You see, I want to build your faith this morning. I want to build your faith. That's my job. My job, you get beat up all week. It's been tough. Not enough. Challenges. People said this. We all experience it. But when we come here today, you need to hear a word of faith that builds up your spirit. And I want to give you four ways. Four ways this morning that we can experience God's abundant provision for our life. Number one, you must make the main thing the main thing. If you want God's abundance, God's blessing, God's favor, you must make the main thing the main thing. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is having a discussion with thousands of people. Sitting on a hillside, just begins to share kingdom life. And this is what he says to them. He says these words, really fascinating. He says, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve. He'll either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't love God and money. That's what he says. You can't do it. It's impossible. Now, we love money as a culture. It's what we prioritize. We, 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 we average $40,000 a year for teachers that teach our children that are supposed to impart knowledge so they can have a better life. And we pay people who throw around a football. This guy just signed a contract for $106 million. I mean, is that not something? I mean, okay, the market, yeah, that's cool. But listen, something is cattywampus in our priorities as a culture. We, we've developed, listen, we have, we have created more wealth. There's more wealth created in this generation than all the history of the world. And it's the God of our age. People sacrifice their morals, their principles, their marriages, all kinds of things on the altar to make another dollar. We've all experienced it. We've all been around it. Sometimes we've been being caught up in the, in the stuff of life. Therefore, he says, I tell you, don't worry about your life. This is Jesus. Don't worry about, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about it. See, the basic level of God's provision is to supply your basic needs. It's the basic level of the Christian walk. It just is. And then he says these words. Seek ye first, Matthew 6, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added to you. One translation says, make the kingdom of God your number one priority. What does that mean? You know what it means? It means to put God first. It means to put God first on your Sunday. It means to put God first in your daily life. It means to put God first with your money. It means to put God first in your family. That's what it means. It's really simple. It's, it's simple, but it's hard. Because there's this battle inside every one of us. Us are God. Us are God. Me, you're God. What I want, what God wants. There's a tension. Jesus said, put the kingdom of heaven first. Here's the deal. What's the will of God for your life? You know what the will of God for your life is? The next good thing for you to do. It's really simple. You know what the will of God is? The next good thing. Mark, you need a job. The next good thing for you to do is to get a job. That's the will of God for you. Come on. I mean, it's not complicated, but it isn't always easy. I mean, it's, not, it's easy to understand, but it's not always easy to live. The next, you're a high school student, and you're trying to figure out your future. What's the next thing for you to do? Well, 
Continue to pursue what God has put in your heart. God wants you, you got a desire to go to college? Go to college. You got a desire to start a business? Start a business. I mean, God puts desires. And if you don't know what you want to do, just wait. Just be patient. Don't get out there all kind of sideways and then running back to God, hope it's all going to work. It's putting the kingdom of heaven as your number one priority. Number two, the second thing. Listen, this is so, so, so important. You must believe that your heavenly father is a good dad. You must believe that you have a good heavenly father. First service, uh, Eric and Kelly brought the little baby, two months old, little baby girl. Watch the daddy just hold that little baby. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, that's a good dad. I mean, and Eric is a big boy. He's big, man. He played football. He's a big guy. And there's someone going to come up and try to take that baby. It ain't going to happen. It'd be the last thing that guy, he would kill that person. He would destroy. I mean, if it caused his own life, he would do everything. He's a good dad. He's looking at little baby's eyes and he's thinking, you know, I just hope she just fails in life. She has a terrible husband. Her kids go sideways. Come on. Is that what she's thinking? I just can't wait to kill my daughter. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. What kind of theology allows us to think that God wants to do you bad? It's not right. It's not Bible. It's not true. It's just not true. Now, good, bad things happen, of course. You were born into planet Earth, bad things are going to happen to you. It's a promise. It's one of those pocket promises that you carry around a little three-by-five card. In this life, I will have trouble. Jesus said it. It's part of overcoming. It's part of learning how to win. It's part of learning how to be a champion. It's part of learning how to depend on God's grace. It's part of, it's part of you getting rid of your pride and realizing you can't do it without Him. But you need to taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, He is good. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap this morning. And then He says, listen to this. Fear the Lord, you His saints, for those who fear the Lord lack nothing. Those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. Goodness is described to God. Goodness is ascribed to God over 370 times in the Bible. Goodness. He is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. He's just a good God. He's a good Father. Jesus said it like this. If you being evil... If you being a schmuck, if you being a doofus, if you being a dummy, if you can't, if you being evil, know how to good, give good gifts, Matthew 7, 11. If you being dumb, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father desire to give good gifts to you? That's what Jesus said. You know what the good gifts that he wants to give you? Let's think about this. He's just talking about a bird. He says, I take care of the bird. I give him a little, I give him a little worm. You give them this eyesight, this incredible eyesight, this bird that sits up on the light pole over the, the, the Lake Jessup Bridge that I watch, and that bird just scopes down. He's got this incredible eyesight, this ability to see through the water and see a little fishy down there, and bam! And I give that bird the ability to do that, and he ain't worried about his next meal. I'm, you're way more valuable than that. Don't you know I care for you more than the lily of the field? And this is what he says. This is what he says. He says, he says I give you my Holy Spirit. I give you my spirit. That's exactly what he says. And, and he stamps you. He seals you. He's paid the price. He's bought you. He said, that's my child. That's my daughter. 
that's my son. And I'm cheering him on. And I believe in him. And if God be for me, who could be against me? So the challenge we have is that some of us, our dad and our relationship was broken and sideways. And it, it's hard to wrap our minds around this because our earthly father is a reflection. Maybe you're like my wife and you never really had a relationship with your father. And what relationship was there was sideways and twisted. There are people in this room that never met their father. I got a phone call from a young woman in our church and she has a, a young daughter getting ready to finish high school and she hasn't seen her daughter since she was 11 months old. I mean, that's broken. And so sometimes when we have sideways relationships with people who are supposed to be responsible and do the right thing, it's hard for us to get a correct perspective of God. But I want you to know today, I'm declaring before you today that God is good. It's His nature to do good. He's always good. He's always been good. Listen, and He's able to take your bad, according to Romans 8.28, and turn it for good. All things, all things work together for good because you have a good Heavenly Father, come on, who's able to take the bad and the evil that Satan has assigned it and use it as a testimony. He's able to use the mess that you've made, just like you heard this morning from Mike and Saperna. Yeah, they made a mess. Listen, now they made mistakes, but that's called the grace of God. When God redeems and restores, and He makes it better than new because He puts us on a right track. Everyone said amen. We have good news today. I have good news. Jesus said, he quoted the prophet Isaiah, I have come because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor. I went to Cuba. Let me tell you, the gospel is good news to the poor in Cuba. Everybody's poor in Cuba. 1%, the Communist Party, the ruling power, they have stuff. Everybody else is poor. Gospel is good news. The church of Jesus Christ can't be stopped. People can live abundantly. People can succeed. People can move forward. People can advance with very little. I've seen it with my own eyes. When I looked at that pastor in the face, Pastor Moises, and I said, Pastor, how do you do it? How do you live on $16 a month? It's impossible. How do you live on four pounds of beans and four pounds of rice? And he looked at me right in the eye without missing a beat. And he says, I live by you know why he lives by faith? Come on, because he has a good God. He has a good Father. The third thing this morning is you must develop a spirit of generosity. I love this story. It's a great story. I wish I could just... This story, it's found in Genesis chapter 24. It's the story of Rebecca. It's the story of Rebecca who becomes the wife of Isaac, who becomes the mother of Jacob, the, the father of all of Israel from which he produced a son whose name was Judah, who would come our Savior, the Messiah. Rebecca had a spirit of generosity. She just knew how to give. And, and, and the way they did it back in the old days, and all the young people are really grateful today in America, we don't do it quite like this. The old man would tell his servant, or he would go, but Abraham had so much money, he was the wealthiest guy in the Middle East at that time, one of the wealthiest guys. He says, listen, I want my servant to go out and find my son, a bride. And so Eleazar goes out to find a bride for his son Isaac, who was the promised child, who was the impossibility child, because he was 100 years old and his wife was 90 when, he was when, when the child was born. I mean, his wife was 90. It's impossible. 
And Abraham knew the goodness of God. So he, he sends Eliezer out. And he, Eliezer goes back to the home community of where, uh, of where his wife Sarah had come from. And as they go back into that community, this guy Eliezer says this prayer. I love this. I love this prayer because it shows you that God still answers prayer. He prayed a simple prayer, and it was very specific. He says, may it be, Lord, that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you've chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So this is what happens. He prays really specifically, right? This is what happens here. Just a couple verses down. Verse number 18 of Genesis 24. She comes out. He sees his girl. She says to him, Drink, my Lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hand and gave him a drink. And after she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well, and draw and drew more water, and drew more in, and then enough water for all the camels. Now a camel could drink can drink about twenty five gallons of water at a shot, and when they're thirsty, that's about what they drink twenty five gallons. That's a lot of water. He had ten camels, and I have ten minutes left. He had ten camels. He had ten camels. They drank twenty five gallons. That's about two hundred fifty gallons of water. That's just in my little simple math there. Plus or minus, all right? That's a plus or minus. One girl. She said, oh, I can't believe I got to go. She has no idea what's about to happen. She has no idea that her life is radically going to change. She has no idea that she's going to, in just a few minutes, is going to be introduced to the, the family of the greatest. She's going to meet the Bill Gates of her generation. She's in just a few minutes. She has no idea that her whole life is radically going to change. But she's cultivated a spirit of servanthood. She's cultivated a spirit of generosity. She's not complaining about it. She just goes and does it. And guess what happens? Guess what happens? Wham! Hey, by the way, my master's got a son. He wants you to marry him. All right, well, let me go ask my dad. Goes ask the dad. And they load. He's got ten camels full of gold full of silver, full of silk, full of provision. And he gives that family and that woman ten camels load of millions, millions of dollars with the provision. Everyone say, Yahoo! (laughs) That's a good God! You know what? She had a generous spirit. She didn't have anything, but you know what she had? She had herself. And she used herself to serve. She was generous. She just opened her hands. There's a tendency in all of us just to be a little bit stingy. Stingy with our time. Stingy with our resources. Come on, you guys are asking for money again. My kids asking for money again. I got to pay the insurance bill again. You want what? How much? No, your Heavenly Father says, I know what you have need of. He's a good dad. She cultivated a spirit of generosity. You want to live the abundant life, you've got to do this. You must do this. One of the ways that I know that people struggle, because I, I see the people that give. I don't see personally, but I see the offerings. I hear, I get the numbers every week. I know that in most local churches, about 15% of the people actually tithe, 20%. But 
15, 20%, and then the other 80% just hope it's all going to work out. And I've always said, what happens when we, we close our fist towards God is that we say, God, I just don't really believe that you're good. And I'm not really sure that I can trust you. And so i got to try, try to make my life work without you. I, I know, yeah, 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 I know you forgive me my sins, but I just don't really know. I don't know if I can really trust you. And you go by past experience. You go by some kind of thought in your mind of what you've seen. There's a life of faith that the believer leads. There's a life of faith, and the believer steps into this reality that believes that God is good. And this is the most touchy subject in America because we love money. We love money more than God. And in Christians, in our culture, it isn't even about the tithe. It's just about living open-handed. This lady, she lived generously before God. Jesus said, put first my kingdom. I go to Starbucks yesterday, and I want an Americano. Just a little Americano, $1.95 plus tax. And I drink my Americano. And normally I go up and get a refill because I'm a Starbucks reward member. <laughs> so I go and I, I say, hey, I like it. On my way out, I like a, another Americano. And, she ha- and no one's ever told me this before. I didn't know this was a rule there. She had to explain to me the rules of Starbucks that she wasn't supposed to do it. But she could do it this one time. And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, I'll pay. Whatever. I don't know. I'm gonna, I didn't know that was the rule. See, something, every other time I've done it, the person that's waited, they just, whatever, bam, they just give it to me, no big deal. They don't want to even waste their breath because they've got so many people in line they're trying to get to the next. But she had to show me something. And that's the human spirit, just to kind of close up and to be stingy. Just to kind of close up and to be stingy. Fourth thing that I want you to see this morning, if you're going to live the abundant life, is that you must become a producer and a giver. If you're going to truly, and I'm not ta- I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about serving in your local church and giving your time. I'm talking about serving in your school where your child goes so that, so that you can see what's happening in the classroom. I'm talking about being a producer and a giver. I believe in this room, creative ideas, especially for young people, any person. I don't care how old you are. God can give you a creative idea. I read a story yesterday. I read a story yesterday about a man... He lived to be 103 years of age. He died in 2004. He retired in 1935. For 70 years he lived. Listen to me. For 70 years he lived. He retired in 1935 in the midst of the Great Depression. He retired. A young man. Changed his lifestyle. I don't even know if he was born again. But he started to invest his money in the stock market. He started investing his money in the stock market. And for the next 70 years... He lived his life for one thing, and that was to give. You can Google this guy's name is Eric Small. You can Google it's a true story. It's out there. You can get, his name will pop up. He lived for the next seventy years, and he said, "And they said, how did you become a millionaire?" He said, "I lived to give it away." He said, "Every investment I make, as a do- every dollar that I make, has as an earmarked a project or a person that I want to give it to." And over his lifetime, he gave away millions and millions and millions of dollars. He lived to give. So he got the principle of generosity. He got the principle of prosperity, that it wasn't about him. Well, God gives you good things. See, the simplicity of life, the simplicity of this thing, is to live on less so you can give more. There's a young man in our culture. He's alive today. His name is Blake. I want you to hear Blake's story. This is a short little two-minute testimony, but I want you to hear Blake and how he's wrapped his heart and his mind around the simplicity of 
living to give, to be a producer and to give. I want you to watch this now. One of the things that frustrates me is when I meet people now and they think that Tom's has always been this big company and movement and they assume that they can never do something like this. And I'm very quick to remind them that I had no experience in shoes, no experience in retail. I only had $5,000 in investment capital initially and this is the result. It was because it was a big idea and we went for it. This book has the potential going to change the way a whole generation thinks about how they involve their work and their passions. I wanted to inspire more people with all the lessons that I've learned in the last five years. The book is really for people who might want to start a new nonprofit. Uh, they might want to just start a commitment to volunteer and to get more involved in their community. I felt that right now is like the best time because of the excitement around the kind of social entrepreneurial landscape to put a book out like this to help people kind of take that next step. We're so busy working all the time now and, and kind of chasing this kind of elusive goals. But the truth is, is everyone wants significance and they want to start something that matters. Simplicity has been a theme of my life. I mean, I live on a sailboat. I don't have a lot of stuff. I don't like to have my desk very cluttered. Um, and I specifically feel in business models, simplicity wins. The thing about simplicity that, that people get tripped up on is when they're starting something, they feel a little insecure, so they want to add all these bells and whistles and product features. And instead, if they just get down to what is the one thing I'm trying to say or do or sell, people will understand it better, so therefore they can share it better. And that's ultimately going to lead to that kind of viral effect that all founders are looking for. In the book, I talk about imagination trumping money. And there's probably a lot of cynics and skeptical people saying, well, that's easy to say now that you have some success with Tom's. But I very purposely chose entrepreneurs and people to feature in the book that did not have a lot of money when they started their organizations. Method cleaning products was down to $16 in their bank account before they got their first big order. Lauren Bush started feed bags with just thousands of dollars, not tens or hundreds. Tom's started for less than $5,000. So hopefully it will motivate you take that step and to start something that matters. Hey man, come on. His dream was to do something significant, to make a difference. One pair of shoes, give to one person in need. Today he's doing one pair of eyeglasses to a, one person, to a pair of, it's not a right business model. It doesn't work, but he's got a dream and somehow because of his focus and his perspective on life. God's been able to bless it. He's got a great testimony. That isn't just for someone else. That's for you. There's three kinds of people. There's excusers here today. We make excuses for ourselves. We're not smart enough. Didn't come to the right family. Don't have the right tools. All kinds of excuses why it can't happen for me. And there's people that are accusers. Well, my, you know, they didn't set me up and that this happened. I'm in this position. Or there's choosers today. There's choosers. There's choosers I'm going to live a life, the abundant life that God has called me to. And it's a choice. The grace is available. The strength is available. Listen, it's not about materialism. It's not about wealth. It's about succeeding in the endeavor that God has called you to do. We use these examples. But man, I watch it in the preschool over here at City Church Academy. We have these teachers that are just 
poured their life into four-year-olds. Our, our teachers, the four-year-old class, they tested as one of the highest classes in all of Seminole County. Come on. You know why that was? One teacher believed in abundance. One teacher believed in success. She poured her life into four-year-olds. I mean, and you got no control over the class you get. Let me tell you, I don't care where you're at. When you choose to cultivate a spirit of generosity, when you choose to put kingdom first, when you choose today, choose. It's a choice. I'm going to be a giver and I'm going to produce. I'm going to produce. I'm going to do my best for God. I'm not going to live off of others. I'm not going to be dependent. Listen, everyone's in a different place right now, but I want to bring you up to the next step. I want you to believe that God has an idea. God has a way for you. I want you to close your eyes right now. The Holy Spirit speaking in this room. And I believe that He's for you. And I believe that He loves you. I just I would challenge you today. In just a couple of weeks, we're going to receive a resurrection offering on Easter. And listen, it's going to be non-threatening. We're just going to mention it quick because you're already going to be prepared to give. I want to challenge you in your heart today. We're giving a local. We're going to take care of some needs right here in this local church with new flooring in this building and around. And, and we're going to give monies to the, the project in Cuba. We're going to believe that God's going to help us to do both this Easter. I want to challenge you over the next couple of weeks. What will the Lord have me to do? What will the Lord have me to do? I want to be a giver and a producer. I want to make a difference in the life of someone else. Father, I thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. I thank you that in this room you're speaking to our hearts. That we can put first the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord, today that you're a good dad. That you have my best in mind. I want to thank you for being so kind and so merciful to me. Father, you've been so merciful. And when I've gone astray, when I've gone the wrong direction, Father, your grace has been there. And I want to say thank you. Father, I thank you today, Lord. Thank you that you are speaking to your people. We can cultivate a spirit of generosity as a church right here in Sanford. Right here in this community, we could be a generous people. We could open up wide our arms to this community and say, we love you, but God loves you more. God, help us as a church family. Help us, Lord, to live generous. Help us to live simply so we can give more to you and your kingdom. Jesus, I bless your people as they leave this day in your mighty and awesome name. Amen. One more time, can you tell the Lord you love this morning? Amen, amen, amen. God bless you.